Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 20th, 2011. I always get this over with at the beginning of the broadcast and that is to look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com you will find hundreds of audios to download for free where hopefully some of you will get a shortcut to understanding the big system you're born into. It's not something that's just happening now and taking over. It happened a long time ago and your parents didn't know it or your grandparents either. We all accept as normal that the system into which you're born at that particular time because everyone around you of your own age groups accepts it as well. And it's as simple as that. But we're definitely managed by a much higher authority than just governments and so on. You have a superstructure, a super government across the world uh, that doesn't really have to be elected at all, although they do put politicians in your local central governments, and they plan the future. And basically, in a, in a sense, we are farmed because we're owned. You're owned if you're born into a system of debt, uh, which is basically supposedly brought on by previous generations and Jefferson said that himself. If you're born into a system of debt, technically you're a slave, therefore uh, you cannot have that system. You should annul the debt with the end of each generation and just tear it up, and that's that. Otherwise, it goes on forever, which, as we see, does indeed go on forever. Now, remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers. The ads on, on this show that you hear are paid directly by advertisers, which pays RBN for the broadcast of the show and pays for the staff and their equipment and hopefully some of their bills as well. And you can help me with mine by looking into the website, as I say, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you can buy the books and discs I have for sale. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can send cash, or you can use PayPal. And just go in, use the donation button uh, on PayPal and follow it up with an email with name, address and order. I'll get it out to you. Across the world, it's the same story. You're Western Union and MoneyGram and you can also use PayPal to order. And uh, remember, straight donations are certainly welcome uh, in these awfully austere times. It's austere for some, but not for uh, those we see on television of all different kinds. But that's the system we're going into. We're being upgraded into the next part of the system. And I said years ago, the hardest thing you'll have to do going through all the changes is to hang on to your sanity. And believe you me, um, if you think things are crazy now, you've got a good ways to go because you are literally going in and partly are in the Orwellian world where if your big boss, the big torturer man, you know, Brian, says to you like 1984, Norwell's book, uh, if I say I can fly, uh, Winston, Winston, then I can fly. In other words, you better say it too. And if he puts five fingers up and, and asks you how many is there, you better say, you better say what he wants to, to, to hear, you know. If you say two and two is four, uh, you get the electric shock. Because you see, you're not allowed to draw your own conclusions anymore on anything at all. 
you're supposed to believe in, in climate change and carbon uh, footprints and all this rubbish, this new terminology they've dreamt up, as though we're a religion, and you'd better start spouting it if you want to get ahead. Otherwise, you're going to be smashed because it's already institutionalized through all uh, society from the top, and it's coming down to the bottom as well. You better believe in all the new ideals they bring through uh, to do with uh, various various multi kinds now of gender, etc. You better just keep your your opinions quiet to yourself, or say again, you know, uh, how many fingers O'Brien puts up? Just tell them what they want to hear, because that's the system that you're already in. You're forbidden to have any opinion that you've come to by drawing your own conclusions. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I'm saying uh, sanity is something you've got to hold on to. It's a personal thing. And, of course, you should really just hang on to it as a personal thing and keep quiet most of the time, to be honest with you, because you don't want to start telling your relatives what you think anymore because they'll think you're a cook. Uh, because most folk will adapt into the new system and every part of the new system through techniques which are used through all media, movies, and so on. They don't think consciously through an idea uh, and come to a conclusion. They, they do it by osmosis, like Jack C. Lull said. And uh, that's how they count their form, their opinions. They're formed for them, in other words, to be good people, you understand. Uh, good people are very tolerant of everything. And they're so tolerant, really, that now they can take their clothes off and, some, and get scanned at the same time in some airports, etc. That's how tolerant they are. And eventually they'll be on their hands and knees, being even more tolerant of the way it's going, because that's really the intention of it all, to debase every person until they have no idea, idea at all of their rights as a person, or even respect for themselves. That's the bottom line as we go through all of the things that are happening. You know, for the last year or so in some big cities in the States, the the cops put tables down uh, the the stairs in the subways and just threw around them, just chatting away. All that was on them was their their, their usual uh, coffee and donuts, bags and so on. And uh, people would, would just pass them like animals, you see. That's how they train animals. Don't spook the animals. And you'd see them, and you get used to them, but they never bother you. And then eventually, one day, uh, at one station, in another station, they'll, they'll grab the occasional young woman and uh, dump her stuff out on the table in plain view of everyone to see. And the rest go by thinking, well, that wasn't me, I'm okay. And then it's out their head before you know it. And, and, and then it becomes routine, you see. And that's how you train animals. And really, my beef with everything is that uh, I, I resent being trained like an animal for nefarious purposes, but regardless, we should not be trained like animals at all. We have never ever had uh, what they call transparent government. It doesn't exist. It will never exist. In fact, government itself cannot be transparent in anything because it's utterly corrupt, and that's the nature of government. All these things I'm talking about with transparency and corruption in government were talked about thousands of years ago because even the ancient historians had gone through democracies and communism and forms of fascism. Ancient China had forms of fascism about 3,000 years ago. They tried communism then too. 
and a form of socialism as well. And it's all in their history books. And it, but for most of us here, we're all learning about it supposedly for the first time. It's, it's the multi-first time for all of us, whether you, where you know it or not. So it always ends up the same way. You, you have a coterie who run the banking system, a coterie who run all commerce and decide who can buy and sell. That's already done under the guise of free trade, which is the opposite. They decide, they decide which corporations will trade and who won't be allowed to compete with them. That, that's what all these things are about. And so you should really resent the fact that you're used like an animal. And remember, uh, I got so sickened today just looking through the Canada greening programs to do with uh, the cities. They've all got their big web pages up. They're paid for to the taxpayer. And all the usual people that you're so used to on television, Suzuki, the guy who actually is up on YouTube uh, calling people maggots. He says, we're all maggots. He says, well, well you are, not, not him, of course. And he, but he did say that there were special classes of maggots. The higher maggots were better types than the lower maggots. And this is the guy who's in charge of Vancouver to help it go green, as they say. In other words, a, a Soviet-style bureau uh, of unelected people will now decide where you can build a house, live in a house, sell a house, have a business, not have a business, and so on, and so on, and so on. I hope you really see all of this for what it really, really is. Don't be misled by their terminology and they're rubbish. They're the neologisms they come up with for carbon footprints and stuff like that. The only time I saw a carbon footprint was a chimney sweep walking away after their job. That was, that's when you get a carbon footprint. But this is the rubbish they're drumming into you. And as far as the greening goes, go back to the Club of Rome. It's on my website. I might pull it up tonight again. And, uh, and let you see their, their own uh, statements in their own book. They were a think tank for the United Nations, and they basically said, to paraphrase them, they said, I'm looking for a way to unite mankind, basically under a global system. We came up with the idea of global warming uh, and, and famine, etc. That would fit the bill. That's the words they used. That would fit the bill. Then you take Gorbachev, who said, he said, uh, we, we, everyone in his own book, he said that he was an atheist. So here's this atheist saying, we, we, he's talking the high, uh, so guys, guys in ecology and so on. He says, we are creating a new religion for, for the new society. And he says, it must be based on a form of earth worship. And here you are, green, green, green. Every store's got green. We're going green. Even your bookstores have gone green. What on earth does that mean? You know, is it covered in fungus or something? Because nothing's changing. It's the same books. But they're all, you know, cashing in on the terminology because they also know, at least their public relations departments in Madison Avenue know uh, that the public don't think too much. But isn't that sad to say, but it's so true. We don't think too much at all. But, uh, yeah, it's been one, an awful day. So I won't even bother putting up the links to, to Canada going green, etc. But this, this nonsense to rip you off for more dollars for a small clique again at the top it really gets under your skin at times. And that's all it's really about, more control over the general population. Everything is about control. Everything. And big bucks. Until you pay, eventually you'll pay all your income, you understand, to the world state. That's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs said from its very beginning. The ideal citizenry would be born to serve the world state. And other writers who belong to the same organization and other organizations, because many of them were interlinked with each other, with the same members, talked about eventually giving you credits and not money. And uh, you'll all be given the same amount of credits at the bottom level, of course. And um, 
you can't save them up. You have to, they'll be gone starting at the same number every every Monday or whatever. And if you're bad and you've broken a, a social taboo, and that's in other words, if you've been politically incorrect on something, then uh, they'll withhold your credits for a punishment, and that's how you punish the animals. You see, uh, it's coming down to that too, because there's more behind all of these bank crashes and the manipulation and the constant drama. It's a soap opera drama. Oh, my goodness, if I don't get enough money to run the states and borrow more money, we'll, we'll have riots in the streets and so on. This is all drama for something else, folks, for something else. Because let's be honest, if it was rational at all, uh, a, a country the size of the U.S. should not be borrowing anything from anybody, <laughs> number one. <laughs> And uh, with the tax base that you've got there, and, and and number two, if it hasn't worked in the past and, and, you, and you're over your eyes in debt, why would you borrow more? Hmm. It's not meant to be rational. It's always another reason for all of this because debt means control over the people, and it means that a small number of people will live incredibly well. These are the ones who are managing the debt, or they are really managing it for their own sense. Others would say they're mismanaging it. No, they're, they're managing it very well. That's their function, is to manage the debt, make sure it keeps going, and compound interest. And I was thinking today, too, about the, the nonsense. Suddenly, out of nowhere, some year gone by, you, you get these these corporations that come out who, who grade banks. You know, they put a, grading, a rating on them. And uh, suddenly, they're experts. This is straight out of the, out of the books of Bernays, because that's what he came up with to do with pharma, he says, uh, we'll tell the people that these pills are good for them and we'll, we'll get a little vacant office somewhere, a telephone, we'll hire a woman to sit there and answer the phone and it's going to be uh, the headquarters of the national or international blah, blah, blah of scientists for blah, blah, blah. And, and that worked very well. And that's how big pharma and all these corporations could sell their, their junky pills for so much money. Because no one, no one else could come up and say or, or dispute it. Yeah, there's a little office there. There's a woman sitting in it. And then they would get uh, scientists to come up and sign their name onto it uh, to look good in the press, you see. Lots of big promotion. And these guys in the contracts didn't even have to turn up. Just put their names on it and they got like a cut every month for the, from the income. But it's the same thing with these money rating boys too, like Moody's and so on. Uh, let's be honest. How come all the big banks who plundered the U.S. And, and good parts of the world too, didn't get downgraded. They still have this high triple A status, etc. Uh, even though they supposedly lost everything, including the bedsheets, uh, bits they, they suddenly they're, no, they're still they're still up there like like a five star hotel. And the other countries across the world, third world ones, are downgraded. Which mean, then the IMF goes in. That's what their job is to help them by helping them by giving them 30, 35, and 40 percent interest rate because they're the lowest uh, guys on the totem pole. The IMF. That's their job. Then, once the other boys have finished them off and gutted a country, in goes the IMF to help them because no one else is going to lend them cash. So you got the loan sharks going at the end. And then these loan sharks end up running the country and telling them what to do and how to live. This is reality. This is reality. So forget the terminology they use. Forget all the so-called official, official titles they have, these people have and see them for what they are. You see, the biggest all cons depend on distortion of perception. All of them depend on distorting the victim's perceptions. 
and we are born into a system where the cons are already up and running. We watch the, the, the G20s meeting like a bunch of Roman emperors, for goodness sake, costing billions of dollars for a love-in and a, and a big fest and, and, and a go with the whores that they hire. And they do. It's in the paper. They actually hire prostitutes, male and female, because, as I said in the Korean papers, these people from other countries are used to this kind of thing. Well, it's against the laws of Canada. Wait a minute here. Ah, but they've got diplomatic immunity. Well, why is the taxpayer paying for these prostitutes and so on? It's a big racket, a big con. And it's time that people started to see for what it is. Because if we don't, uh, you, you, hell is here. You, you're, you've already stepped into the rim of hell. And you've got the middle to go to. But it's, 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 it's oh, this is daily stuff now. Our whole minds are being managed and most folk accepted. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just just basically blowing off some steam about reality because most folk don't know what reality is anymore. And the more they use the terminology that's handed out to you to, to, to swap in conversation, then the more you will swap it in conversation. Uh, even I, remember, I've gone through the whole series of, of, of history, even the 20th century, to do with the nonsense about the climate debate, because before they wanted total power over all the world because of the coming ice age. And then, of course, uh, a few years later, well, the Ice Age wasn't complying, so they dreamed up global warming. The Club of Rome pretty well admitted that. They did admit it, in fact, in their own books. And they're the premier think tank for the United Nations. That was their job, to find an excuse to basically bring in totalitarianism, austerity, demolish all the factories that were left and all the rest of it to bring you back to our primal state, basically. We understand if you're in a primal state, um, you won't be surviving for very long whatsoever. And uh, as I say, they're, they're going full steam ahead with it because eventually all your money, just like a credit system of Bertrand Russell, all your money is going to go back to governments and all its levels and all of its appointed committees of non-governmental organizations that sit on all councils now to pay for their big fat paychecks so that they can order you about all the more too. You'll have nothing left by the end of it. And that's where they're heading. And this is what they really mean by austerity. You understand you're dealing with people who always lie to us. I can remember hearing a South African talking about, uh, an old South Africa talking about uh, black people. And he says, you can't tell them the truth. He says, you've got to talk to them like children. They don't understand. And it hit me right away. That's exactly how governments talk to us. Uh, they talk to us as though we're children. We get n- nonsensical stories, childlike stories for, for reasons why things are going. I liked the, the old days better when politicians would give a little smirk when they said something, a little sneer, and that was a giveaway that, yeah, he knows he's fooling you, and we all know he's fooling us too. You don't even get that anymore. You've got these Sovietized, staring, bland faces at you. 
that's ready to go at you with a SWAT team if you say anything about, about the anti-terrorism nonsense that's going on across the world and how they've turned us all upside down into scared little rabbits. That's what you've got today. We don't get smirks and sneers anymore. We just get these bared teeth and grunts. And that's what it's come down to because we allow it to happen. And people never question the system they're in because they're constantly told, like Bertrand Russell said, and he was a big player in designing this system that you're presently in. Uh, and he said, he says, that, and the people, he says, will think their system is fine and that life is just fine and that they're all very happy. He says they'll believe it because the government will constantly tell them so. And that's what you hear. We're spreading democracy across the world. Well, define democracy. Go on, go and have a look and define what democracy is. Hmm? Because most of you don't even know. You understand, you'd have no debt at all if you even had what they called in ancient Greece the plebeian vote. That means that all those who want to live off of your cash, your labor, would have to ask you if it was okay if they could buy the the latest weaponry that they're going to hit you with. And you had the right to say no, and then they couldn't do it. We're watching the military put in its Christmas list every week now across the world. And we're watching the same thing with the police who are all militarized wearing combat gear. And I said last night, what do you think combat gear means? That means they're not policemen anymore. You don't, policemen don't wear, only soldiers wear combat gear. You see? People can't think. They cannot think for themselves. And I've often said it's a pity there's not a, a, a little planet off somewhere outside of NASA's reach <laughs> uh, that uh, those with, a, with a, a bit of insight could just go off and live in peace on their own and get away from the rest because there's a symbiotic relationship between the masses who are quite happily to be ruled, happily ruled and, and the elite who rule them. That, that is a fact. There's no doubt about it. There's a symbiotic relationship. Uh, and there's ones in between who neither want to rule over them nor want to belong to the rulers. And they should leave a, a place aside for, for them. Now, there's some callers. There's Darren there who phoned, I think, yesterday. He was originally from Ireland. Are you there, Darren? Hi, Alan. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, crazy, crazy world. Yes. I um, recently read a book by Nicholas Carr called The Shallows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's about the history of the Internet and reading. And in his book, he he talks about how he goes into the history of reading, how reading itself created people to go into a form of linear thought, and how the internet nowadays is creating people to go into a scattered type of brain thought. And it's funny, because in his book, he does go back into the history of reading, but he also goes into articles that was published in the 17 up to the 1800s, on, uh, I guess it was predictive programming where people were saying, I have one here, I get who it's by, but he said in a paper, yeah, I think it was in the 1800s, I, I can't remember the name off the hat, but he said, in the future, people will have small devices called indispensables, will they be able to plug it into their head and have all their movies, books, and music all in one and be able to, be able to kind of zone out of the world. And it's just amazing because mm-hmm. he's basically nearly talking about the iPod. Who was this? Who was this author? Um, Nicholas Carr. Carr. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And also, you, you'll find that too in the writings of H. G. Wells, where he, he was talking. H. G. Wells is known for his fictional work, but he's, he's not so well known for his his multitudes 
uh, of works of, of non-fiction to do with Fabian socialism. He called it the world brain, that everyone will be tapped into an intelligence system called the world brain for all information and what to do and all the rest of it. That was back in the 1920s. So it's the same thing, but hold on, we'll be back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And Darren, are you still on the line there, Darren? Indeed. I don't know if you've ever, yeah, if you've ever looked into the construction of language and even the ancient sciences they knew. They used to have orators. And orators at one time, even before they had, uh, they were putting out what they called books at the time, uh, you had to learn everything through memory. All your lessons in school uh, went into your brain and not down on paper at one point in ancient times. And orators, very much like a bard in, in Ireland or Scotland, uh, they could go on for weeks and weeks reciting the history of the peoples and so on. Uh, and even individuals in different families, go on for weeks and weeks, it was all in the memory. And the ancient Greeks bemoaned when, when writing became normal in, in their schooling for the upper elites. And um, they said that it would, it would make folk more easily basically fools because, because they hadn't used their own brain through memorization, logic, and, 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 the, and the science of oratory. So uh, that became true eventually. The youngsters were very easy to persuade through writings written by famous people. Just tell them they're famous and they'll follow it just like today. And, uh, and eventually, of course, now it's, it's come down to, to computers where the com- computer will do your spelling and everything else for you. So uh, this is a technique, but how you string words together, and the ancients knew this, uh, would bring the person to the conclusion. And you can often trap a person into coming to that conclusion by getting them to agree. Now, this same technique that was used in ancient times is still used by top salesmen today where they'll ask you a question. And the idea is to get you to say yes as many times as possible on irrelevancies until they ask you if you want this item. Because, because they understand, but then you said yes so many times, you feel almost uh, a, a bit um, absurd by saying no. You, don't, you, you begin to like the person because he seems to have so much in common with you. Well, it's the same with the structure of language and all politics and the way things are written in magazines. They will guide you to the conclusion uh, uh, that they want you to have. A lot of it is done by omission of other facts. That, that happens all the time. It's easier to do that, actually, by simply omitting facts uh, and give you part of the story than give you the whole story and then try to skew it. So uh, these are all techniques that are standard. They've been standard my whole life long. And, of course, it's been in practice, especially, uh, say, in the U.K. and different countries for well over 200 years, uh, this particular science. Yeah. I do remember uh, in the book he actually said, when, before reading came along, people used to just memorize simply by, by listening. And when the book came in, people's memories changed again. So even, even the books were like a construction to control people, I presume. And I just have one yeah. quick question. Uh, well, two quick ones. There's so much I want to ask you about. <laughs> so I have to ask everything. Um, I'm thinking about learning the Gaelic language. Uh, it, it was taught badly in school. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if, because I know it's, it's differently it's like it's kind of like backwards in a sense to the yeah. English language. I don't know. If, mm-hmm. Like, like, what would you think about that? 
Oh, yeah, there's no doubt it's, it's well worth it because uh, people don't understand history and they don't understand that history is always clouded over and they don't understand that what killed Ireland off and millions of the people was not uh, lack of potatoes. It was because during that whole famine period, supposed famine, uh, it had the, the largest crops it ever had. It's because they were being forced to take all the, the cattle off by British troops to feed the troops across the empire at that time. They were exporting more than they'd ever done in their, their time, but the people didn't own the land. They'd been taken over and taken from them. Ethnic cleansing was going on. And even when they went into school too, uh, they were punished severely uh, if they tried to speak their own language. The same happened in Scotland after 1746. And uh, if you wore even your family tartan, you could be hung on the spot. Uh, or if they heard you speaking Gaelic, you'd be hung as well. And that, that was kept in force for about 10, 15 years. But uh, ethnic cleansing has been done over and over by those boys that live in London and their descendants. And uh, we've got to understand that. Now, Nova Scotia uh, still has, I think, a university that te- teaches uh, the Gaelic. And it's, it's, it's more pure Gaelic than even the, the few that are left in Scotland uh, speak, probably. And it's, it's done in a proper course function until it's easy to understand and, and get through it. Yeah. I do. I do know that the language, even the Gaelic language, has been uh, diluted because yes. there's actually all the, uh, there's old Gaelic yeah. and there's neo Gaelic. One right. last question: um, the Beatles. I was trying to. I was listening to some of your stuff before, and you, I know you're talking about you know don't earn the rights to their songs, but just the Beatles. If you can, you can just give me a quick analogy on them, and I'll, I'll let you go. But thanks again, Alan. Well, you've got to understand that um, the Beatles came along as a phenomenon and they were built up immediately as stars. When you see that machinery going into work uh, for, from someone you've never heard of before, then you, you understand it's a must-be, I call them must-bees by any industry. And you, you do the same thing with science. Einstein was an idiot, a class is an idiot at school, but his, his, the, the guys behind him wanted him to become a star, so they made him a star through the media. He always talked about politics, and uh, he never read anything off his own on particular lectures uh, or papers. But it's the same thing with the Beatles. Uh, Theo Adorno, that belonged to the Frankfurt School, who came over to change the culture of the Western world, that was part of the function of the Frankfurt School from Germany, uh, by studying the techniques that were already in use for advertising and then, and then use those techniques to turn it into the system they wanted to do. Now, Theo Adorno... Uh, was a good friend of the Queen. He was also uh, uh, in it, the London Philharmonic Orchestra. He understood music perfectly. But he owned, the strange mystery is he owned the Beatles' songs, the rights to all of their songs, up until he died. And no one's ever got to the bottom of that. And then when he did die, uh, Michael Jackson put in a bid for them, and so did Paul McCartney. Uh, Jackson won out. And, uh, and then, uh, just to show there was no hard feelings, they actually did a song together, Jackson and Paul McCartney, at the time, to show there was no hard feelings. Uh, but then when Jackson died, I, I just heard that, uh, or saw in one of the newspapers, that his collections of songs, including the Beatles songs, would be going up for sale. I don't know who bought them after that. But uh, you've got to understand, there's a big industry behind the ones they make stars. There's always a, a political and social agenda, mainly a social agenda, which really is political. And uh, that's what's been done. I mean, I've, I've gone through the whole industry. I've watched it change the, the societies. And um, I know that, that, that what you see is not what is behind music at all. 
You can get anybody today and make them into a star uh, once you go through all the, the various uh, uh, machinery of a, a recording studio. It doesn't matter if they go flat or sharp, the computer will, will straighten it all out for you. But, uh, yeah, anybody can be made into a star. And what, all you have today is straight social engineering through all music. Straight. And it's been like that for quite a long time, actually. But thanks for calling. Now, there, there's Carlton from New York hanging on. Are you there, Carlton? Hey, Hello? what's up, Mr. White? How you doing? I'm hanging in here, too, and uh, I'm trying to withstand the... The thunder that never comes is the weather I've got right now. It's just, uh, it's been threatening for a week to thunder, and it's kind of, it's kind of like the tropics right now, you know. Yeah, it's the same thing down here, too. Uh, yeah. My question, because I listened to you last night, and you was talking about, um, well, you read the, the, the writings from, um, Caleb Galton. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And they, I've also heard you speak about, how Malthus had world population control meetings and they already, they, they singled out Aborigines, Africans and, and Native Americans as people that, that just couldn't work within their system. The economic system, yeah. Right, and, and also I do also know that even before the Europeans even probably thought about going to Africa to get slaves, Mm-hmm. The Arabs and the Chinese were doing it yeah. before before the Europeans did. So my question is this: What is it about the African people that they that it seems like this system just hates so much? Because I mean, is it just that you demonize the people because you want the natural resources of the land, or is it just that they're just just staunch racist like? And even I, I know how the Irish, Ireland people, they said that they're basically just as bad as the Africans. So, but what is it about African people? Because even in this country, eugenics was pretty much formed to get rid of black folks. Yeah. So, like, well, why, why is that? It's a, huh. You have to go into black history. And there's a professor in the U.S. who went through especially in the U.S., the history that he didn't know himself until just an odd question was asked him one day, and he delved into it. And he was shocked to find out who were bringing the slaves in from Africa into the U.S. and had been for an awful long time. And uh, he got into some some, some, uh, controversy over it, but the fact is he he was right. He was using uh, known facts and so on. And you can look him up. It was Professor Tony Martin. Uh, he will give you the reasons why. There's a religious re- reason behind this as well, you understand. Uh, and, and he'll tell you what the religious reason is in, in the, the, uh, the video that you'll, you'll find uh, on one of his lectures there. But also, you, you understand, that you can go way back into even Egypt's time, and they liked uh, the Nubian slaves as well, because they were tall and strong, and they were a good uh, shock troops really for an army. So basically the African uh, will definitely stand up. And here's the history of the U.S. too. They'll stand up to temperatures and, uh, and so on. Um, but here's the history of America. The first slaves into America and what we term the U.S. were actually white. And they're called indentured servants. And 
the, t- the King of England at the time wanted uh, to, to get people to emigrate. They, did, they didn't last too long. They were really working very, very hard. So they came up with an idea of creating what they called justices of the peace. These are like junior judges that would try you one-on-one, and there's no court as such. And um, then they brought in um, cotton from India, etc., put thousands out of work, and people would steal a loaf of bread, and that was you. You were, you, you were off to serve your time in the Americas. And the redneck terminology came really from the burning of the, the skin on the back of the neck, because you're always stooped over picking, picking in fields. And it, and it actually came from red shanks. Red shanks was the first term they used, because the, they had knee breeches on, they had no, no stockings. And then they changed it to rednecks. But they didn't last long. The whites didn't last that long. They tried it already with American Indians uh, in force. And the American Indians, of course, were, were, were cunning enough to try and get out or escape, or the ones that couldn't just died off. So the whites died off too, and then they thought they could bring over uh, the black slave. And uh, Rothschild, by the way, of London, uh, I read an article recently. It was from one of the main uh, TV stations over there and, and press agents. And they said that they'd, they'd, uh, they'd found old ledgers of the slave trade via London to the Americas, and the Rothschilds uh, had been the biggest importers using their trade mechanisms and shipping uh, routes and so on to get slaves into Africa. And, of course, then they apologized for it and said that they've given a lot of money since there to charity. <laughs> However, uh, you can understand there's much, much more to this than meets the eye. But slaves were very expensive, even at that time. So, but but uh, um, the black slave would last much, much longer than any other kind of slave. He was far fitter. Uh, it was healthier, more muscular. And... Um, and that's the main reason he was economically viable, in other words, to ship over and you get a few years of work out of him. That was the idea. Hmm. Well, that's that's basically the only thing that was on my mind. I just wanted your perspective on that. But can you give me that name one more time? You said Tony. What was it again? It was um. It was, it was uh, Professor Tony Martin. And he's got some very good videos up there at university giving lectures on this, this very topic. And he'll fill a lot of the questions, the, the blanks in for you, in fact. And I actually, because you talked about China for, or Africa for the Chinese yesterday. Yeah. And I got a friend from, a, a white friend of mine. I got a book from a white friend of mine, actually, called The Destruction of Black Civilization. This is by yeah. Chancellor Williams, and he actually goes into how you know, the sub-Saharan slave trade with the Arabs and the Chinese before the Europeans even ever, ever went over there. But yeah. it's just, I, I think it may be demonize the people before you take over their land to justify mm-hmm. taking it over. Absolutely. You know? You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's, it's still going on today in some countries. Uh, there's one in particular that we can't talk about much, but uh, we've watched them slaughter the people because they're, the class is inferior and awful and untrustworthy and all the rest of it. Same techniques as they've used on the American Indians and, and uh, the blacks and, and so on. Yeah, you always demonize them, so it doesn't seem like they're really slaughtering real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. And then they do the same thing on a small scale, like with certain neighborhoods and groups of people and things of that nature. Now, yes. I, I understand, like you said, but mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's, this, this, this world is crazy, like you just said. It's funny, though. You said earlier that you were in hell. I just told my minister aunt 
earlier today the same thing. I was like, I'm not worried about dying and going to hell because we're living through it right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll holler at you, Mr. White. Thanks for taking my call. Man. Thanks for calling. And uh, now there's John from New York City on the line. Are you there, John? Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Cool, I'm on the air. Uh, I feel that there's a esoteric science to manage the people mm-hmm. because I was watching, as you put it, the LEV Scion, mm-hmm. and on one of your shows, you were talking about how people are becoming less humanized through networking sites, yeah. for example, Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this commercial, and the commercial was basically this girl saying, my grandparents are getting old, and you know that old people get antisocial, so I got them a Facebook. And I'm just looking at this like, give me a break. Like, yeah, that, that's amazing. That's amazing targeting a whole, a whole people, basically, yeah. And and because of your show, I've been learning words like indoctrinated, conditioning, things like that. So these, the, to the conditioned, indoctrinated mind, they'll just take it as, oh yeah, that's how you got to do it. Yeah. And well, uh, have you not, have you noticed though? Have you have you noticed though, uh, John, that that in all movies about for the last twenty odd years, uh, whenever you see an, er- an elderly person, it's like elderly people don't exist in most movies. If you do see them at all, uh, they're bent, stupid on sticks, and, and, and they're senile. Have you, have you noticed that? You don't see normal elderly people. Yeah. In, in this one movie, that I forgot the name, it was about angels or something. Mm-hmm. The only old person there turned out to be some mind-possessed, demon-crazy yeah. lady. Just not yeah. even a normal person, yep. and when someone comes up to me and they talk about, oh, can I get your Facebook, and I tell them I don't have a Facebook, they give me this bizarre reaction as if I came from Venus or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. They're, they're demonized because it's no, it's no coincidence now that we've had 20-odd years of demonizing the elderly, maybe even 30 in the movies. I mean, every, every in the movies now, you get doctors at 20 in the movies, you know. <laughs> Everybody's about 20 years old and nothing, nothing beyond that. And, uh, but the fact is that they're bringing in the idea of euthanasia now, big time. And this is all part of it too. Well, it's not really killing people. See, their life is over. And eventually panels will, will be the ones who decide when your life is over for you, for the greening purposes and for austerity and saving the planet. But thanks for calling. Back after this. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just have a point before going to the next caller. And it just, it just hit me there during the music that... Uh, Part of the definition of genocide and genocidal techniques is, is the abolition of the person's language. You should, you should remember that as well. Uh, now we'll go to Lee in Oregon, if Lee is there. Hi, Alan, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, um, I find it funny that, that we're being bombarded uh, by this green religion, green culture, and it comes from the top in these corporations. And uh, these are the very people that use plastic and paper products all yep. day long, 24-7. Yep. And they refuse to use a different material. 
Yes. And even at the last Copenhagen meeting, when you saw the list of the big corporations that were all there, the oil companies, all of them were on board with this. The very thing you, people you would think would be afraid of it, no, no, they're not afraid of it at all because it's got a different purpose than, than we all think. It's to control all of us and to get massive profits out of us as they double or triple and eventually quadruple the price of oil, etc. That, that's, and give us less. We've been so brainwashed to put one piece of trash here in this box. Yes. piece of plastic here in that box. Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll tell you a little story on that, by the way. Uh, I knew a multi-millionaire uh, quite a few years back in, in Ontario, and I was in his, his house at the time, his big house, and a guy came for a business deal, and he was trying to sell him on the idea of the coming recyclable, recyclable plastic idea. He says, the government's going to use the tax money, the people's tax money, to fund it all. He says, it's going to be free. We'll get our buildings for free and everything else under the guise of recycling. It says then the government will spend the cash to train the public to recycle it for us so we don't have to hire people going through garbage dumps. So, so well, they've trained us like animals for private corporations. They get all their materials for free. And <laughs> we sort it all out and all the rest of it, yeah. It's absurd. I mean, we're, 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 you, we're being told to do someone else's bidding why are we the ones that have to recycle when we don't create we, we don't create the material we don't make plastic we don't make yep. paper that's right and and why should we also if we do uh, we're forced to use these things but if, if we do use them and and why why aren't they paying us for getting the stuff back instead of them getting us sorting it all for them for free, and then us paying the tax money for the garbage guys to take it to their to their factories for free. <laughs> yeah, wh- why am I not being paid to recycle their materials? Yes, exactly. It's it's absurd. And you're 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 talking about hell earlier. We're not just living in a hell right now. Yep. We're living in a homosexual hell. And I'll give you an example. In the state of California, they just signed a bill mandating <clears throat> homosexual history. It's called gay accomplishment history. And get this, there's no opt-out. For, there's no exceptions. Everybody has to learn this in public school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. There's no option. And you know what? Not a peep from parents out here. Not a peep. No, it's the same across the globe now. Everybody's had so many years of it. Now they're afraid to say anything in case they get fined. Because, because school now has nothing to do with preparing you to survive in life. It's preparing you in social engineering so as you'll fit into the new society. Uh, and that's all it's about today. That's really all it's about, actually, today. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the thing that gets me: no religious leaders are stepping out. No, no, they're they're a bunch of uh, religion. Really, today is just a sideshow. It's a circus sideshow, especially in America. I'm not talking about everyone, but most folk who are truly religious stay in their own homes. They don't go anywhere anymore. To, to meet with. Uh, so, no, they're, they're out of, of the... The Catholic Church has had it. They're full of homosexuals, so that's the way it is. But thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. God, your God's school with you.